Good morning, good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. So glad that you're tuning into our podcast this morning. This is the first Sunday of August. Can you believe it? I, I certainly can't. And to think that uh, our country is still being seemingly under siege to this coronavirus. Um, we don't know if there's going to be more government regulation to shut down churches in the very near future, uh, in our county anyway. Um, all we can say is, you know, we'll let you know. We're kind of just taking this day by day and trusting God. But we are having service today. But, you know, one of the restrictions that we have is we're not allowed to do communion um, at our worship service uh, because, you know, we're passing uh, the elements around that's been touched by other people. You know, we we pass the thing around with the communion juice and then with the crackers and other people it, it's they just say it's another way of transmission of this disease so we've omitted um, for several months now uh, having communion service um, we tried to get some of those packages of the pre-made uh, little cup and wafer all in one little plastic wrap and uh, that way nobody but you would be able to touch those those elements but anyway we're just not allowed to have communion service and trying to um, uphold to the CDC standards the best that we can uh, I'm not trying to be a rebel of any sort uh, although I do believe with all my heart it is our right to gather and, and worship God a biblical right and our a right of our nation but anyway we're not having communion today. First Sunday of the month is when we always do. But I'm telling you this so that if you're at home listening to the podcast, take a minute and go get something uh, for communion. I don't care if it's uh, a little bit of milk and a piece of bread, uh, a little bit of your leftover coffee and a cracker. Uh, it, the, the representation isn't in you know the grape juice and the, and the cracker. The representation is in our heart of what we're remembering, what Jesus Christ did for us. Um, that truly, truly is the heart of worship. And that's what the title of our message, the foundation of worship, the heart of worship. We're going to be talking about that today. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it brings uh, something to your heart to where you realize, I need to worship more. I need to get in the truth and really worship God. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, service is going to get started here in just a minute. Before I really get started with our uh, foundation message for today, um, I was talking to somebody on the phone, and they mentioned to me how they really miss communion. And I was talking to Carrie Penrose this morning via text. You know, we were talking. And I said, I tell you what, they couldn't make it because their, their baby picked up a fever and they didn't want to take any chances, you know, so they stayed home. And I said, but listen to the podcast this afternoon. And when you do, 
Go get you a little cup of water, a glass of milk, your old cup of coffee, I don't care. A little pinch of bread, a cracker, a cookie. And let's do communion together. You know, we don't have the elements here to pass out because of COVID-19. We're not supposed to touch everything and somebody's got, it's just so ridiculous. But can't we have communion in our hearts? Jesus said, as long as you remember, that's what it's about. As long as you remember. When we take that little, that little cracker, that little broken piece, it represents his body. That was so brutally beaten and broken for us. Just, just a little, that's all, just a little piece of bread. But we, can, we can close our eyes and we can remember, Father, what you've done for us. And that little cup of juice it represents his blood the only thing that truly washes us clean is the blood of Christ and that's why we do communion once a month just so that we never forget it's too often it becomes a, a ceremonial thing and a, a traditional thing and we just do it because that's what we do every month but not this time that we're doing it because we're thinking and we're remembering what you've done for us it's perfectly okay to take communion at home on your own to just think about him for a minute and say, this represents your body that was broken. This represents your blood. I'll never forget, my mother used to, every month I would gather her medication. And towards the end of life, you know how the doctors have you on all this medication. She must have had eight pills. I, I don't think any of them helped her. I don't know. She still went home to be the Lord. Yay! But she said she would take those pills and, and she'd set them all on the counter each month when I would bring her, and she would take communion over them. And she'd say, God, give me what's good out of these and keep out what's bad. Because this one, this little piece of bread represents your body, and this little bit of juice represents your blood. And I'm just remembering you. I don't want to take these pills, but the doctors say I do. So she would give them to him. Isn't that good? That she would just give them to him. So there's our communion service for the first of the month. Praise God. So let's get into the message this week. The, the message, this is actually part four, which is supposed to be the end of this series on foundations. We'll leave that up to the Lord. If he, There's so much more. This one is... The foundation of worship. We all come to church, right? Yeah, amen. amen. And we all refer to it as a worship thing, a worship service. The whole thing is worship. The meeting and greeting, the singing, even the message. I believe we've come so accustomed to thinking that we're 
doing all that we can do in the realm of worship. But let me ask you this, could it be that some of this, we have built a foundation of tradition? It's become tradition. Come on. We sing two hymns, we sing three songs, we sit down, we stand up. We... But you know what? God is a God of order. Amen. He likes order. And, and so I like what we do. We do two hymns, we do three songs, and if the Holy Spirit moves Tony, he'll do four. But it doesn't matter. It's okay. So what's this message really about? Well, it's really entitled The Heart of Worship. What is God really looking for? Hmm. Is it acceptable to God to be different? It is. What is he really looking for? I can't see it. So what is it, Pastor? What is it? Well, it's the heart of the thing. It's all about, it's all about what is really going on in that place that only you and God know. That's what really matters. Do you ever stop and think, is this all there is to worship? What is God really looking for? Let me say it like this. It's not about the song we're singing, but it's about the love that we're expressing. Worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. When we were shut down because of this pandemic, I was still, I still preached every week. And I tried to get it out to you the best that I could. But I got to tell you, I was feeling worship starved. Why? My preaching was okay. It's an act of worship. I do it because of my love for God and my love for you. But I could quickly see there was more to worship than just me doing my part. Please understand, love expressed through our singing is more important than we realize. Do you realize that sometimes there are people that will come and visit and they'll be uncomfortable during all this singing of the worship service? Have you ever noticed that? I have. I've had people say, oh, I'd come to church, but it's all that singing. It bothers me. You know, I, don't, I don't really like all that singing. I, I, I get under, uncomfortable during, during that part. Why is that? Well, I'd say it's just simply because they don't understand what it is we're doing. They have no idea that what we're doing is expressing our love for God. It would be safe to say that they probably haven't experienced God's love in themselves firsthand. But what about us, believers who have some understanding of the concept what could hold some of us back from experiencing God's love during worship? So it brings me to my first point. What is the greatest hindrance of worship? What is the greatest hindrance of worship? Fear. Thank you. Is that up there? No, you just said it on your own. It's fear. 
two different things, fear of man, what someone else might think if I go. You know, I can remember when I first came back to the Lord and I wasn't, you know, I would stand there and go, anybody see me raising my hands? A fear of man, what others, what someone might think. And what's the other fear? Guilt. Fear of sin. Because we know what we did last night, right? Nobody has to tell us. Nobody's going to tell you know the difference between right and wrong. So let's look at Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. I want you to listen to this very same scripture, but in the message translation. You guys recognize the message translation? I just love it. The fear of human opinion disables. It disables. Trusting in God protects us from that. See, we have a fear of what others may be thinking about us. So our answer to what is the biggest hindrance is fear. So what causes fear? When Adam and Eve, at the beginning, there was no fear. They were perfectly happy in their birthday suits, and they had no shame and no fear until what happened? Sin came into the pictures. Let's look at Genesis 3.8. This is after they sampled the fruit. But they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Man, just think about that for a little bit. Walking with God in the presence of the day, in the coolness of the day. Wow, what an amazing thing. And then the Lord called to Adam. He said to him, where are you? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Those have to be the saddest words that God has ever heard. Yes, God is omniscient and he knows everything. Do you think he really didn't know where Adam was? Of course he knew where Adam was. It still hurt. It happened. And God said to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Of course, we know what the answer is. She made me do it. No. Well, that's kind of what he said. It's blame game. It's safe to say sin causes shame, and shame is a part of fear. Embarrassment, shame. Many people won't express their pure love in worship because they're thinking, I know what I did last night. Sin gets in the way. You guys remember when your kids were little, you know, about the age of Sean's kids. I'll never forget, I was, I was younger and I was at 
a youth pastor's house, and he had two little kids, probably four and two, something like that. And we were in the living room talking about what was going on in the church, and he was talking about taking a church down in, in Copperopolis. I remember that. And, and we were just having a great conversation, and his wife was in the bathroom with the kids giving them baths. It was in the evening. And she got them dried up, and zoop, they came right into the living room, just, just naked as a daybird. You know, and they come walking in, and they went, hi, hi. And they both jumped up on daddy's lap and, and started hugging and kissing on him. And she come in and says, come on, kids, let's get your jammies on first, you know, and took them off into the bedroom. Oh, we all smile. It was so innocent. It was so beautiful. You ever experienced that, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> the kids love taking their clothes off. They just love it. It, it is so beautiful. It's so natural. But sin got in the way of this freedom that, that God had for us. Wow. Let's look at Psalm 63, 3 through 8. I want to give it to you out of the Message Bible. It says, So here I am in the place of worship, open eyes, drinking in your strength and glory. In your glorious love, I am really living at last. My lips brim with praises like fountains. Isn't that good? Bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. I eat my fill of prime rib and gravy. I smack my lips. It's time to shout praises. I'm sleepless at night. I spend hours in grateful reflection because you've always stood up for me. I'm free to run and play. I hold on to you for dear life, and you hold me steady as a post. That is just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful that we have so much to be thankful and grateful for. It's let me give you the, the hint of what this message is really about. It's not about coming to church and raising our hands and singing. It's about what's going on in our heart. I think raising our hands and clapping is all good things. It's all in, it's biblical. It's throughout the Bible. Of, you're going to get more scriptures on it. But what is God really looking for? What's in your heart? What's really going on in your heart? And we have to remember that. 1 Timothy 2, 7 and 8. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's pretty, pretty evident there. He's talking about lifting hands and just praising God. Psalms 28, 2. Hear my voice of my supplications when I cry to you. When I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Lifting and clapping of your hands is throughout the Bible, yet many people just don't simply because they're afraid or concerned what others might think. Or, or, they're just not comfortable with it. 
It's not them. Guess what? It's okay. It's okay. What is really mattering here is what's in the heart that you're worshiping with your heart, the heart of the matter of what Jesus Christ has done for you. But if it is these other things that are hindering you, what congers the greatest hindrance of worship? This is point number two. Acceptance. Acceptance. We must realize we're accepted already. It's not about the sin that we did last night. How could we possibly come even close to worship fully, worshiping fully in spirit and truth if we feel we're not accepted? How could you possibly? Understand, I'm not saying don't repent. Of course, repenting and turning away from your evil ways. But this is a process that we're all going through. But if we're saved, let's worship like we're saved, loved, and and accepted. We're accepted no matter what we do. Sin causes problems in our lives. And it opens the door to many devastations. It could happen in the realm of your marriage or your life or your health and all the things that sin potentially could cause. So yes, of course, repent of your sins, but... If we're saved, don't let the things you said or did or watched or whatever it is keep you from entering into that that heart of worship. Because that's really what we're going to be judged on, is what's really in the heart. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, who has blessed us. Who's us? It's all of us. It doesn't matter. Do you believe that Jesus Christ truly is your Lord and Savior? I don't care what you did last night. He says he blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I am, you are, we're blessed, we're adopted, and we're accepted right now. Right now. Every one of us has been adopted into Christ. We're accepted just the way we are, and we're blessed. This is why we worship. This is why we worship. Not because it's like we're trying to kill 15 minutes of the service, you know, to make the whole thing an hour and 10. No, no. We're doing it because we're excited what God has done. You have to remember, it's not about you becoming good. It's about the good that Jesus has already done. It's not about you becoming good. Yes, we get better. Yes, we develop and grow, and I'm hoping to get better and do gooder every day. 
but I'm not perfect yet, nor will I ever be. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not about what you do. Worshiping and singing really good and raising your hands and clapping to all the clapping songs does not save you. Does not make you any better in God's eyes. What really matters is that we understand it's not by our works, it's by what Jesus has done. It's only by what he has done that saves us. That's why we worship. We don't worship because we want to look good. We worship because of what he's done. I love Romans eleven six. It says, And if by grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is works of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, there is no longer work. We can't earn salvation by how we appear to worship in church. We worship in church the way that God has built us to worship with our heart, the heart of worship. Worship is not how you look and appear. It's not how much you've changed or going to change. Worship is something that has to come from the heart because of what Jesus has done for you. Worship goes on every day, every day. Not just Sundays when you come to church and we spend that 15, 20 minutes raising our hands. Let's look at John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Wow, we need to look at that. But the hour is coming, and now is. Now is the hour. Now is the time. When the true worshipers, who is that? That's us. The ones who confess with their mouths that we believe will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Notice it didn't say the ones who were clapping their hands aloud us or waving their arms around, but in spirit and truth. So what does that mean? What does that mean? You're going to get this one, Manny, because you and I talk about David all the time. This is David. Psalms 139. Every time I read it, every time I read it, search me, oh God, to know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Know that I'm just a mere human being, God, but search my heart. And know through all of my faults 
And then he goes on to say, and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. That's worship. That's worship. Check this heart out, God. Make sure, make sure, man. I I know the thoughts I think, God. I hope that you don't read my thoughts, but I know he does. And so I have to cast those thoughts out before it gets stuck in my heart, in that fertile soil of my heart, and make me that kind of person that my thinking. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. That's a, that's a hard thing to say to a, a bunch of beautiful people, but it's the truth. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. At the same time, worship must be in truth. That is properly informed. Unless we have the knowledge of God, we worship, there's no worship in truth. How could you worship a God that you didn't know? You see, that's what my job is, is to bring the truth so that we get excited. I just love last week, remember when I read about Nehemiah and all the people, when they explained the word, they all began to weep and cry because they finally understood and the high priest and Nehemiah says, guys, don't cry. They made him be still for a little bit. Just be still. You have understanding now. So now you can go home and you can worship and eat and enjoy one another because you have some understanding. Both are necessary for honoring God in worship. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, over-emotional experience that could be compared to a high. Have you ever experienced that? I have. A worship service that is just rocking and rolling, and I mean, it just becomes a spiritual high. I'm not saying it's bad, but you've got to understand what it is. As soon as the emotion is over and the fever cools down, the worship ends. And that's not what it's about. Because of the truth that, re, that, that remains in us, we continue to worship with our lives, with how we act. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those emotional moments. I felt it last week. We were worshiping and I was just crying. I came up here. I had to try to find something to dry my face. That's good. But that's not what it's about. It's about what continues on in my heart when I leave here. It's about who I really know. I can think of a couple worldly songs that will get me to move. That's what music does. It lifts you and moves you. But we have to have the truth that's in us. Truth without spirit can result in dry passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism. The best combination of both aspects, worship 
results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him. The more we appreciate, the deeper our worship goes. The deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. Amen? And this happens throughout the week. We're not talking about Sunday morning worship. We're talking about how we live. There's an 18th century preacher, evangelist. His name was Jonathan Edwards, American pastor, theologian. He said this, I should think of myself in the way of my duty to rise the affections and emotions of my hearers as high as possible, as high as possibly I can, provided that they are affected with nothing but the truth. Edwards recognized the truth, and only the truth, can properly influence the emotions in a way that brings honor to God. The truth of God, being an infinite value, is worthy of infinite passion. Worship for us is not that we have our hands raised all at the same time. But that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, but that's not what he's talking about here. We don't have to be swaying in unison to the music. I think clapping is good, but we don't have to be clapping. It's what's going on on the inside. So you might be saying, well, what is it, Pastor? What is it that we have to be doing during worship? You need to just be open with God. You need to really just be, your, your heart is open. And, and you're singing the songs and you begin to sing those songs and you see the words, the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's not something that I made it to be. I, I'm coming back to recognize and sing to you what you have already done for me. That's true worship. Songs are important and they move us. But what's going on in the heart? Look at Revelations 4, 9. Whenever the living... Let me start that one over. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever... The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and casts their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You realize when we get to heaven... The crowns that we receive, and I pray that we receive crowns. They're there to lay at Jesus' feet. You're the worthy one. It's not about how many good sermons I preached or how many bad ones that I blew. It, it's not about that. 
It's not about how many people I witness to. It's not about any of the things that I have done. It's all about him and what he's done. And we're going to take our crowns and say, well, whatever we did was really nothing compared to what you have done. But we do the things that we do because we believe. Because we want everyone to experience. My job as a pastor is to bring you the truth. And I believe over time the church will begin to look like its leadership. Can I get an amen? Because that's what happens. That's, that's what happens. A church begins to look like its leadership. I once went to a church where everybody was crabby. I'll be doggone if I didn't find out later that that pastor was crabby. And they, they just kind of followed his lead. That was astonishing to me. Like, you guys like being crabby? That's just, that just doesn't make any sense. But people will follow the leadership that, the lead, that, the, that, that tries to lead by example. My job as your pastor is to bring you the truth. That's why it's so important for me to have the truth and be right in my own spirit. Because the bottom line is I'm responsible for whatever I teach. None of you are going to be standing there alongside of me when I stand before God. I, could, I would just cringe if I stood there before God and he said, you told that little Baptist church that they had to clap and they had to raise their hands. You never talked about the heart. You never talked about what they know. The heart of the matter. If you'd have taught them the heart of the matter, they would have been clapping and praising and going crazy because it's so true and it's so real. But instead, you, you, just, you just wanted to push that charismatic experience. It's exactly what I don't want to push. I want to push the living truth, the living Word of God. True worship is not how charis charismatic that we get. It has nothing to do with whether it's a hymn or it's a new contemporary Christian song. It's a matter of heart. It's about truth. And it's about unity. I praise God that I believe that we have a church here. We're a little church and that's okay, but we're very unified. We understand one another. Guess what? We're all different. But there's one truth that has to stand out, and that's what Jesus Christ has done. It's not, it's not about how we appear. I, I get so blessed when... I don't mean to embarrass you, Dennis, but when I look at the differences between Dennis and me, we're so totally different people. But I know that he loves God with all his heart. He doesn't have to act like me. He doesn't have to do anything. He loves God with all his heart. 
That's why I respect him. That's why I listen to every word that he says. We're all different. But we all have the same thing, that same love and desire and compassion to worship God, whether it's raising your hands or whether it's standing solemnly and quietly in your own presence. It's between you and God what's really going on in the heart. Amen? Amen. That's what it's about. Dennis used to scare me <laughs> because I thought he didn't, just didn't want to talk to me. But I've learned so far beyond that now that I know. I know that he is my brother in Christ Amen. and my elder in the Lord, in the church. Team, would you come back up? I would like us to worship one more song. And to do it, worship the way you worship. You know, oftentimes, uh, Tony will say it's okay to sit down, and it is okay to sit down. What if you're tired? You just want to sit down. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly okay to worship God sitting down. I worship God at home laying down. There's nothing wrong with that. It's that we worship in spirit and truth. And so now you have a better understanding of what I'm looking for in this church in worship. It's not about what we do. It's about what's going on in the heart. It's about understanding that we're worshiping the man that has done it all for us. Amen?